Summary. I'm your host, George, and we've got the one, the only Big A back in the studio. But we're not talking about movies today. No, 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 we're not. Aaron is here to talk about, for the first time on this show, a comic book, and I could not be more thrilled. Aaron, how you doing? I am fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for the book recommendation, by the way. Yeah, yeah, of course. You and I talk probably like once every two weeks. You and I talk for two to three hours mm-hmm. into, into the early morning. And uh, we started talking about villains. And uh, you told me that uh, one of, if not your favorite villain of all time, is Dr. Doom. He's definitely one of them. Okay. He's, yeah, he's top three, top four. Who else? Who else is on that list? Well, Darth Vader, Joker. And uh, for me, Gorilla Grodd. Gorilla Grodd, that's right. <laughs> that's my guy. <laughs> Forgot how much you love Grodd. <laughs> I love Grodd. Are you still pissed yeah. at the Flash show for how they did Gorilla Grodd? Yes, absolutely. I'll okay. never get over that. <laughs> on site. Anytime I see him, it's on site. <laughs> uh, we were talking about villains, and uh, this era of marvel is really interesting because there's not really a main villain um we're gonna cover house of m soon we're gonna jump into civil war but really it's like unfortunate circumstances are the villain and then like other heroes are the villain for a couple years and it's not until like 2009 where norman osborne out of nowhere kind of becomes like the main evil person in the marvel universe but for like a five-year stretch there it's really just like conflicting ideologies, but it's not conflicting ideologies of one person who's necessarily good or evil. It's more shades of gray. And so that's why I thought it was really interesting to jump into this. You mentioned how much you love Dr. Doom. And I was like, hey, I actually remember picking up a miniseries from this era of Marvel that was all about the origins of Dr. Doom. Let's let's jump into it. And uh, and we did. And holy shit, I forgot how good this book was. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's legit fantastic. I mean, I think, like, Doctor Doom could have always been that one villain, even ahead of, you know, to to flagship Disney, not Disney, I keep calling it Disney now, Marvel's flagship Mm -hmm. villain. I always felt he could have been Doctor Doom, because when I was young, I saw him and thought thought Darth Vader. Right. And we know Vader is the Star Wars franchise, period. Mm -hmm. There is no franchise without that guy. Yeah. But, um... When, so I always felt like Dr. Doom could be that guy, but you know what? Dr. Doom isn't preoccupied with everybody else. He's got his own shit that he's working on and don't want to be you know, be around people and whatnot. If he felt like being a joker causing chaos, then you know what I mean? Maybe they could pitch him as, you know, he would be that he would be more popular and be that guy. But I like the idea that Doom keeps, keeps to himself, you know what thank, I mean? Thank God he's not, like, that chaotic, like, ringleader, though. Like, the fact that, like, right. he's not fucking with the Fantastic Four because he's busy. You know, like, he's got stuff going <laughs> yeah. on. Which, like, all these other villains, he could be like, oh, they're just obsessed with Peter Parker. And they're just, like, you know, biding their time to strike. They're, you know, making the perfect plan. And Doom's like, no, I'm busy. I'm running shit. I, like, I'm I'm, yeah. stu- I'm studying in Tibet. I'm learning the... <laughs> I'm learning how to be a science and magic to be, like, the most... Like, a better version of myself. Like, it's kind of like some sick fuck therapy. But, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, for his own, for his own machinations. Um, but I think that's healthier than what Lex Luthor's got going on. Oh, he's, Lex a, Luthor, he, he's obsessed. Yeah, he's a freak. He's obsessed. He's a freak. He just wants these aliens these illegals out of here you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) this dude 
he can be the hero that the world, you know, already wants. You know what I mean? He can mm-hmm. be the greatest thing that's ever been. But no, he's too. I got to get rid of this this Superman. Yeah, and Doctor Doom is like, no, I need to save my people. He's got some. Exactly. He's got some shades of of like real fucking monster in this story, and I'm really excited. Absolutely, to get it. I'm, and I'm really I love that. Yeah, excited to get into it. There's one scene that I think is like kind of hard to justify yeah. even at the time. Uh, but yeah. let's talk about this story. So this story it's set up so strangely, right? This is this. We're talking about Books of Doom. This is a six issue miniseries written by Ed Brubaker, drawn by Pablo Raimondi with inks by Mark Farmer, Drew Hennessy, Robin Riggs, uh, colors by Brian Reber, and uh, coloring, or, wow, no, sorry, uh, lettering by VC's uh, Russ Wudo. And so pretty pretty good team, I think. Ed Brubaker, most famous at this time for uh, Gotham Central and a bunch of Batman books. He's like a big noir detective storyteller. And he started bringing like 70s by era thrillers shit to Captain America at this point because we're right we're probably like a month or two into his run on Captain America and that's what he would become mm-hmm. best known for but he also had this cooking and I remember being surprised like wait the Captain America guy is going to tell this story I'm like oh no it's actually a pretty good fit um revisiting it and uh the story is told it's like such a weird framing device where it's like a series of interviews and like this is when the office was like really popular in the united states <laughs> and that whole idea of like confessional type storytelling right mm-hmm. so all throughout the story whenever there's like something that shows up that's super fucked up there's like usually an interview with someone who's just like yeah that happened it was super fucked up can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe they did that and then throughout the story it's like doom reflecting on his life telling the story uh, of how he came to be like where his motivations come from what he's interested in all this shit telling it to some person who we don't know until the end of the story um for like an interview for some yeah. expose on on dr doom and so throughout the story he's like telling his own life journey and he's just overlooking the scenery like he's like a god standing like in the sky looking down on like these mere mortals who dare to you know stand against doom and it's so right. interesting just like how fucking conceited and arrogant he is and exactly oh <laughs> uh, man it's everything i love about apollo creed in rocky 2 <laughs> you know like... <laughs> i mean this dude is just straight monologue and he's like mm-hmm. going in giving his ted talk on his life is how you know Doctor Doom is just going in. I I love that whole setup, the interview, the interviews, all of it. That's probably one of my most favorite things about the book mm-hmm. is how it was presented and, and the dialogue. Like he's painting with his words, Doctor Doom, as he's telling the story. He's telling the hell out of the story, mm-hmm. and that's just that's who Doctor Doom is, over the top. I'm going to do the most. (laughs) (laughs) I'm above you all. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's some, like, I... I try to throw quotes in just to like, you know, give people like a little insight to the character. This entire book, the point is an insight into the character. I pulled a lot of quotes. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Like, if, even if this is something you think, I can't believe you're like brave enough to say it out loud. Like, <laughs> right. like if you had a friend who said something even a tenth as conceited as as this you would fucking not talk to that person for very much longer like if he owed you money you would still talk to him but like besides that um you would you would do your best to cut him out of your life you would slide down the bar 
with your beer to the other end. Yeah. Right. Been talking to this guy. <laughs> no, actually, I, I think it's warmer near the jukebox. I, sorry, man. I gotta, gotta go. Bye. It's warmer near the jukebox. Exactly. Oh, I, I think I see. I think I see Malcolm. Oh, hey, Malcolm. <laughs> oh I know her. <laughs> uh, so this is a six issue miniseries. Aaron, you ready to jump into issue one? Let's get it, man. Please. All right. Books of Doom 1 was by that creative team I mentioned not that long ago. It came out November 9th, 2005. Opens with a quote. No, Victor Von Doom remembers all. Every moment of this life which has tried so hard yet failed to break me. Every loss, every sacrifice, every vengeance taken by these hands. I could not forget them if I tried. Shakespeare. No one else in the book Victor? talks like that. No, just no, got it. no Victor. One. Oh, God, it's, it's, it is like he fell out of a different century, right? Like he's a man, exactly. born, out, a man born out of time. <laughs> Fucking Victor. Um, okay. Uh, throughout the story, uh, he refers to his, his people uh, as gypsies. I don't think that's like the politically correct term to do it. Uh and so I'm I'm not gonna call them that just because the people who've been called gypsies are like, don't call us that. I'm like, okay, I respect you enough right. to call you what you want to call. <laughs> so uh we're gonna call them Roma in this story, because I believe that Roma, is the, sure. I believe that is the accepted term. Mm-hmm. Victor is born to a traveling group of Roma. His mother practices dark arts to take revenge on the soldiers who harass them in return. The demon that she barters with claims the life of every child in a nearby village. She's hunted down and killed, and the remaining members of the group want to kick uh, Victor and his father out. Doom says, shut up right now, all of you. You say my mother was a witch, and then she brought doom upon you all. Well, if you cast us out, I swear to you, I will grow up to be exactly like her. And when I am truly my mother's son, I will track you all down, and the darkness that she brought will be nothing compared to what I do to you. That's right. That's like an eight-year-old talking to people. So like, <laughs> Victor's born. He's always kind of like a weird, mysterious kid. And like his father is like a healer. His mother is a, a, a witch, a, a practicing witch, uh, experienced the sorcery. And uh, she fucks up one night and takes things too far. And uh, they, yeah, just the fact that they want to cast them out of the of the group like the traveling band of, of roma and then fucking eight-year-old like this is the first time we see that like the format's mm-hmm. a little different it's the first time it like cuts to like someone else telling part of the story and it's like yeah. oh so and so like one time member of uh you know doom's traveling family mm-hmm. it's just like yeah we saw it in his eyes we knew he was fucking serious man we did not want to mess with this kid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's like Damien, right? From from the Omen. The Omen, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Oh man, just a boss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, just a boss. Okay, that's how we're going. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's like yo, you talk about this kid's mom. She just perished. Mm-hmm. Can't do that in front of this kid and not expect him to get a little heated. Yeah, I mean, if normally you get your ankle bit, I mean, you wouldn't get. The the verbal beatdown that you took, you know, the, the stern talking to. Yeah, that's right. The most threatening threat uh, a child has probably ever given. Right. Uh, years later, he gets a little flirty with a girl in his group named Valeria, the only person he respects and sees as an equal. One day, the Baron, who's been harassing uh, their tribe, sends for Victor's father because of his skills as a healer. 
when he fails to save the Baron's wife. Victor and his father escape to the Latvian Alps to evade detection. Victor's father freezes to death trying to keep his son warm, and Victor manages to catch up to his old crew, but he's different. He's harder. He's colder. He begins studying the sorcery of his mother, and when he can't do something, he relies on science and makes incredible inventions. One night, he kills a soldier. Actually, not a soldier, just someone uh, intent on cashing in on the bounty on Victor's head. Quote, it takes longer... It takes far longer to strangle a man than I would have imagined. Just Victor as a like yeah. teenager, just reflecting on turning this dude's eyes to glass. Uh, racked with guilt, Victor is found by a U.S. Army general who recruits Victor to study in the U.S. and leave this life behind. Quote, and so I escaped to America where I would lose everything. What a poet. What a poet he closes out <laughs> as at the end of issue one there. Uh, did you... Did you think about like Nikola Jokic when you were uh, reading this? You're just like, oh, like this this one American just like comes and recruits this Eastern European kid to uh, come <laughs> come help Honestly, the military industrial complex. <laughs> I the, the I had uh, Christoph Waltz in my head, even though it wasn't in Russian <laughs> or Romanian. Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just uh, but that's the voice that the the type of voice that was in my head as I went through. You know, just you know the words the the all, all the way the use of words is just incredible to me. I yeah. thought that was uh, so. He's he's like someone in my head. He's a scientist, and you know, I'm like, yeah, that's that was the voice mm-hmm. that or Anthony Hopkins, some shit like that. But never would I, you know, it's just such a big. Just by reading the dialogue, it's got to be someone who's got class and someone who's refined. You know what I mean? Yeah, elevated, elevated. Well, I don't know about all that. I know okay, poor sure. people who are refined. Okay, well, yeah, not not elevated, but I guess just like he has like this elevated self of uh, sense of self importance, where like I feel like the reason he talks the way he does is because he doesn't want to be anything less than a hundred percent clear. So like he's very eloquent, but right. like very very prescriptive in everything he says because he's just like like make no confusion this is exactly what i say i'm going to do and this is what <laughs> exactly i will do and so just agreed like, and so there's like a, a weird eloquence because he wants to be understood by everyone about how fucking serious he is i guess that, that, mm-hmm. was, that was what i meant by elevated um mm-hmm. absolutely uh, and then he gets recruited at the end uh, by the U.S. And uh, they kind of acknowledge the Cold War that's happening here. We don't really know when this is taking place because, like, you see everything. And, like, honestly, it looks kind of like the the sound of music, right? Like, right. It, it's very uh, Gregorian, very uh, pastoral, like, everywhere they go. It's very small, you know, nice, beautiful, uh, like, almost, like, French-style housing everywhere with, like, mm-hmm. you know, hills and countryside. And, yeah. yeah. And so and, it's, uh, it's yeah. b- beautiful, but like kind of sparse. And like you see these people, like they have guns, but like they have kind of old looking guns. So we're not exactly sure when the story's taking place. It feels like the early 1900s or like late 1800s. Like it has almost like mm-hmm. a Frankenstein air about it. Right. But then, you know, you see someone in like G.I. Joe Green's talking about recruiting him for, you know, for our, our enemies. And it's like, okay, so this is kind of 60s, maybe 70s, actually. Right. And you kind of wonder, maybe it's where he's from is remote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot better. It's away from everything else. So, maybe, well, not Liberia. 
because they this is a traveling group that his family. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But, but still, maybe it's a remote spot that's away from, you know, all the uh you know, that's why it feels so old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's then cool. when you see it's, the army, it's, it's cool, what, like seventies or whatever. Yeah, I love it. it. I think it, it's fantastic. It's cool. we, yeah. just, we don't really see this place a lot in the Marvel universe. Like not even uh, Liberia, but like just Eastern Europe in general. It's like right. mm-hmm. the the way for a while there, every villain in a movie was Middle Eastern. Like every villain in comics oh, my was goodness. every villain in comics was Eastern European, and mm-hmm. so it'd always be like you know some nuclear powered man from like present day Uzbekistan or something. You know, like that was always <laughs> what we saw, and it was always like super desolate. Looked like fucking serbia you know right weird desert tundra area just some mix of the two but like just to see something like lush and beautiful like this it's just not what you see very often in in this part of the world in marvel comics especially all right book two books of doom two december 14th 2005 quote i had no papers no student visa what i had instead was my mind my ability to see further into the future than any scientist these men had ever encountered that was Von Doom's passport into the new world. Fuck me, man. Like, that's... <laughs> What's really amazing is, like, that's how Tony Stark talks about himself. Is like, <laughs> yeah. like His superpower isn't, like, his... But it's, like, his futurism, right? Like, it's the ability to predict trends and predict needs before they're required. So everything that he's doing is like prescriptive to a future that hasn't happened yet. So it seems exactly. so futuristic, but it's just him. So he's the, prepared. Yeah, yeah. It's him seeing the game unfold. And like, that's exactly how doom is speaking. And like, it's cool when Tony does it. Cause like, we generally assume he's on our side, but like doom it's, it's just so fascinating to read a story about someone who hasn't really done anything bad yet, but someone we know is going to be bad, but has all this power. And we're like, it's not too late. Like, maybe it'll turn out different. It's like, bitch, this is a prequel. Like, we know how it's going to turn out. You know, it's like watching episode three and like, oh, Anakin, like, maybe maybe Obi-Wan will get through to him. It's like, nah, dude, like, we know he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Doom attends uh, State University as a privilege and a cover for his work with the U.S. military. He is classmates with a young, promising scientist named Reed Richards, Von Doom has a secret lab in his dormitory and is using the government like they're using him, giving them small things like combat programmable androids and getting whatever he wants in return so he can achieve his true goal, resurrecting or saving his mother. He has no time for any of the college distractions people try to rope him into. Quote, they were so pleased with themselves they couldn't imagine I might have my own agenda. Couldn't imagine that not everyone in the world longed to be part of the American dream. I think this is one of my favorite parts about the story is that like this is one of two scenes with Reed Richards. Yeah. And so from Reed Richards' perspective, he is his thumbprints are all over the origin of Doctor Doom, right? Like he's like <laughs> he feels directly responsible. He feels integral into the man Doom has become. And he is barely a fucking fly in the background of, of Doctor Doom's actual life, like from <laughs> his perspective. And so I just think that is absolutely fascinating it's just like oh wait reed richards typical good guy but is he more self-important and arrogant than doom is kind of feels like it (laughs) (laughs) it could be (laughs) i like how doom made that uh mentioned about how arrogant they were to even think that he would have his own agenda Mm. i'm like bro this dude is just sitting in the room clocking everybody 
Yeah, I see who you are. I can know you're that type of guy. No worries. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you guys for everything I can. <laughs> All that and just thinking they have like power over him, right? Like just thinking right. like, oh, we're providing him. It's like, no, dude, like you're literally just giving me tools to do my own shit. Like you think I want a, a faster car? You think I want a bigger house? I don't give a shit about that. Like <laughs> yeah. all that matters is the work. The work. The work I'm doing, not even the work I'm doing for you. It's like I taught you right. everything you know. I didn't teach you everything I know. Like there's a difference, you know? <laughs> Dr. Doom is Kevin Durant. It's yeah. all ball. Nothing yeah. else. <laughs> I'm not brushing my hair. I'm not <laughs> no, it's ball. That's all. Yeah, and later when he when he ruins a relationship, we're like, oh fuck, Andy's Tom Brady too. Okay, yeah. Easy had to, money sniper. I had, had to do it for the game. Yeah. <laughs> this is where things get rough. And uh one night is junior year, Victor goes to a party and kind of like surprises everyone by showing up. Yeah. And he sees this girl and begins kissing her. Except then he snaps while they're kissing. And he, he has like all this inner dialogue, inner monologue. Where he's talking about, like, I'm not going to let this girl get into my defenses. Like, I'm not going to let this person become important to me. And so he starts right. strangling her, thinking that she's, like, there trying to undermine him. And she would be later... A, yeah, take him away from his goal. Be a distraction. Yeah, so yeah. fucked up. And she would later try to press charges, but his military connection stepped in, seemingly without his knowledge, and forced her to drop the charges and drop out of school. And, like, her parents went to, like, pick her up in a brand new, like, Rolls Royce. Uh, after all, Doom is making war robots and time machines for the government. So yeah, I, I think they they picked her picked sorry picked Doom over the girl trying to press charges. This part seems completely unnecessary to me. I think I don't think it's totally unnecessary because one, I thought it was cold as shit, and it just shows that you know Victor. One, it shows Victor's dedication to not want to be, um, distracted. not wanting to be di be distracted, as we mentioned, but also that he would just go back. He didn't even make the complaint or tell them anything. They they went and cleaned up the mess on their own mm -hmm. because of their own agenda. And honestly, in society currently, if a woman goes to tell that this thing happened to me, someone you know, violated me. A lot of times it won't, it won't, it won't pan out the way they want to because guys like this sweeping under a rug because they got to take care of their own thing, whether it's to preserve their school, the school's reputation, keep their jobs. In this case, doom is making us weapons. Whatever he did is not more important than these weapons. We mm -hmm. need them to defend this nation. Of course, it's going to get swept under the rug. Of course it is, I, but it like I was recently watching, or I wasn't watching. Aaliyah was watching like the R. Kelly docu series, like the little four part oh, yeah. that just came out, mm -hmm. and uh, I found it really fucking depressing. So I didn't really watch it, but I would, ca I would I never bothered. Yeah, I would catch parts of it, and it's just like the fact that you can draw a parallel, I guess, to like Doom and R. Kelly. Like that's the part where I'm like, this is unnecessary. <laughs> like I think you could have found a way to do this without it being such like an intimate fuck up you know what I mean? like like if he wasn't kissing her if she was just like a lab partner who like tried to change his notes or something like if it was something like that like the fact that it started off sexual in nature and then like turned by like that's the part that i'm just like that part feels unnecessary but like him overreacting or him thinking someone's trying to like weasel in on on his research like that part stands but like the fact that he 
couldn't just enjoy the moment and see this woman who just like wanted to make out with an attractive guy who had an accent and was really smart but thought it was like a plot to to bring him down or something like that part is really interesting but it's also like i i think unnecessary right but also Westman's greatest downfall in almost all television movies stories and books it's a woman as far as that's also the thing that holds him up and makes them the greatest too but like even like like Adam and Eve, the first thing, you know, she gave the poison. She, you know, she took, she took the apple. Mm-hmm. And so doom is like, I mean, that's why I can kind of see why they wrote it the way they did with her. Like this is the ultimate thing that would cause him to stray away from what he's focused on. And even this can't get, you know, even, you know, this can't get it to, uh, can get him off of his path. I like that, how they wrote it, that, uh, she needs him. And defends herself and gets away and takes off running, mm-hmm. because I, I mean, how is I mean, I wouldn't have liked it if you know Doom just stopped, just because he he got control of himself. Nah, I like the you know, she wasn't a victim, complete victim. You know, she still had a, they wrote it in where she protected herself, right? And then, but also I the other other thing is important. I feel is um. They got to show you how much the military is behind Doom. Is intervening on his behalf, yeah. Yeah, like they care about Doom so much. That's how valuable he is to them. Mm. You see what I mean? And this is a way of establishing, like, he could do something this horrible, and they still are going to take his side. They're still going to defend him. So that as the book goes, and as, you know, that's, that that's the type of relationship you know i don't want to step on it if you're going to keep reading the book so <laughs> right now we're gonna spoil it um also like it's more complicated than like the way we presented it uh we're, we're having yeah. kind of just like a i guess like slightly removed conversation about it but like he does see like flashbacks to the soldier he killed you know before he right. before he like left latveria and so it's yeah. like unclear if he was like having like a a, a flashback ptsd I'm not defending That's his a good point too. I'm not defending his yeah. actions saying that or like if he was hey. like or if he felt like a power rush you know like with his hands around someone else's throat like the the entire scene is so unclear and like yeah. what is like the the motivations I guess for Victor doing it that like I just I, felt like I, it was a trigger I wish it, it were a little stronger and more deliberate Mhm fair enough <sighs> later that year uh nothing happens by the way like like i said she um you know her parents pick her up in a brand new rolls royce they were bought off by the military and so doom is waiting for repercussions that just never come uh he later uh, in his school year coerces a student to help him with an experiment it seems like an instant failure but it was not doom traveled to a, me- a dimension a lot like hell and spent weeks but finally tracked down his mother who pleaded with him to leave but it was too late he bumped into a demon who was keeping his mother's soul imprisoned. The probably the same demon that uh, gave gave her powers to get revenge. Probably, I would think so. Uh, he sent Doom crackling back to our reality for trespassing in his domain, and the return nearly cost his lab partner his life. He's expelled from school, but continues to work for the government. He doesn't care though. All he cares about is his uh, weakness and failure. And this is where Doom gets all scarred to shit. 
My face was ruined, but worse still in my scars, I could still feel the demon's claws touching me. And when I looked at what was left of me, the cold fire touched me to my very soul. And his voice echoed in my mind, accompanied by my mother's screams. I had lost, sorry, I had lost all my years of planning and work, and I was but a bumbling fool, a fool who would never be able to look himself in the mirror again. Yeah. Some Robert Smith of the Cure shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> Broken and empty, Doom destroys all the work he created for the U.S. government, and before they can arrest him, he's already on a plane out of the country, and that's the end of issue two. Uh, really interesting. Oh, he, really interesting. Uh, I guess one of the themes in this book is like warmth and and cold, right? And right. uh, one way they expressed that in the first book was by hands. And like he commented on his mother, it's just like, oh yeah, like I always held her hands, but like she always had the coldest hands, you know? And like whenever I held my mm-hmm. father's hand, it was always like so warm and inviting. And right. then when he's like found, or when he wakes up to find his father frozen to death, he's like confused at first because his father's hands are cold. Right. And uh, here in, in book two, it's like he still feels the hands of the demon on his face and talks about how cold it is. You know, it's just like, yeah. he doesn't say it's just like his mother, but like, that's the only point of comparison we have is is how cold, you know, her hands were and how cold the hand of the demons are on his face. And it's just like the, the feeling of something constricting and confining him is uh, pretty important, I guess, to the character of Doom, as we're going to discover in like issues four and five. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, man, he hightailed it out of the U.S., went back to uh, went back to Eastern Europe, but not back to Latveria. Right. He was kind of hoboing around there for a bit, getting yeah. fine, working on some things. Yes, he was <laughs> yelling at a drunk, yelling at a drunk who lived in his stairway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doing typical '70s sitcom shit. <laughs> I mean, Otto is really no different than Christopher Lloyd was on Taxi. It's all the same. <laughs> Books of Doom number three came out January 25th, 2006. Hiding out throughout Eastern Europe, a bandaged Doom struggles to sleep without facing that demon again in nightmares. Unable to sleep, he stays up working towards perfecting the machine he thinks can save his mother. Quote, I suppose my rooms must have looked like those of a madman, but a madman is often nothing more than a broken genius. Even when he's like at his worst, he finds a way to justify his worst case situation. You know, yeah. like even and not to be himself. Yeah, even when he's broken, <laughs> I'd be des- mad, but I'm even brilliant. when he's broken and desperate, he's like, "Yeah, it looked like a fucking maniac lived there." <laughs> but what is a maniac if not a beautiful man? <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful. Genius. Yeah. Everything is genius of him. Yeah. So good in bed and is great yeah, in sports. Exactly. <laughs> Not that he cares about those things. Those were bad jokes. <laughs> Being in Eastern Europe put him closer to the Soviets, who tried to recruit him to their efforts against the Americans. Victor fought them off and told them he had no interest in either side of the war and had nothing to live for, which makes tracking him down very dangerous. Months later, he bumps into Valeria, the, his old flame from his Roma days. They become close. He shows her his mangled face. They make love, and he seems genuinely happy. Victor fucks. Yeah, that was cool. Nice seeing silhouette of people boning. Yep. Yep. I was like, I guess I, guess I never really thought of it. Doctor Doom and never Hitman. Yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> guess Doctor Doom I never, a virgin. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> but, I never thought about it, but like, I don't know. Like yeah. in the sixties, I I can like if. 
if we talked about comics in the 60s the way we talk about comics now i think you and i would have been like so was he born in the armor like has, has he ever <laughs> like does, does he does he know like what a blowjob is i'm sure he knows what it is does he know what it feels like like is he is he like uh steve carell and 40 year old virgin he's like yeah you know when you touch a breast and it's like a bag of sand like <laughs> bag of sand right <laughs> and so just like seeing him be just like a fulfilled person it, it's just like kind of nice and more heartbreaking because we know what's happening exactly. like, or we know exactly. what's going to happen quote That's she didn't even she didn't even look away when I showed her what the demon's touch had done to me. After all my losses, maybe oblivion was not to be my destiny. Maybe my failure was simply the thing that would bring me back to her, the only person who ever really knew me. Maybe I'd been broken so that her gentle hands could put me back together. What sucks is like when it's really happy, not at the end of the issue, you know things aren't going to go well. <laughs> 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 it's like it's like if you're watching like CSI and they find the villain 12 minutes in, it's like I don't think this is our guy, guys. <laughs> like I, th I think I think someone else is out there because we still got like, like 30 minutes of airtime. Like, 30 minutes to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, doom people imagine him alone in that, uh, you know, in that castle, or it's like, well, clearly she didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I, 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 when I, when I saw her come out, you know, I'm like, what's she doing there? Where's she come from? This is a setup. Yeah. Watch out, Doom. What a, <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fall for the okie doke, Victor. <laughs> One beautiful day after deciding to return home to Latveria, the Russian KGB agents return and hold Valeria at gunpoint. Through present context we learn the fortune teller lied to her about needing him to strengthen the roma family it was a ploy by the americans to get their hands on victor and arrest him and the russians seize this moment seeing that he has something to live for so she didn't know she was betraying him she thought that like the family exactly him. so like she's still i guess like innocent at least in like the audience oh, she's totally right? innocent yeah right? yeah completely. the fortune teller is the piece of shit total piece of shit yeah like, what am I supposed to do? I'm a fortune teller. <laughs> I don't got no lawyer money. Yeah, my FT lied to me. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't paid no taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Magic swirls in the street. A flower given to Valeria from an old drunk turns into a shield and protects her from harm while Victor kills the agents. The old drunk reveals with his dying breaths that he's from a temple in Tibet and was there to get Victor to come and be their leader, that they can teach him the true union of science and magic. Victor leaves Valeria crying in the street, encouraging her to go home while he heads for Tibet to meet his destiny. Victor's so cold, man. I thought that old man was like a future version of Victor. Like I thought he perfected time <laughs> travel and like went back to like tell him how to go find time right. travel. Right. Uh, yeah, man, it's kind of heartbreaking just to see like what he could have had and what he left. You know, because like Valeria, she was cleared. You know, she was she she was innocent at that point. So God, what what could have been? He felt f complete for the first time in his life. <laughs> and nope, no. I gotta go meet some monks in the mountains and learn about nah. science. Now that I know it's more. Now that I know. I was on the right path. It's more to this life. <laughs> yeah. But like this, 
feels kind of like this feels like the previous issue, like the sexual assault scene where it's just like not letting someone get between him and his destiny. But like Victor is so much more likable in this instance of it than in the previous. He is. And I think that's my problem with the last one is like I can respect a villain, but it's like hard to respect a villain who does that. But like I can respect this villain. You know what I mean? Like, right. like this heartbreaker, not life taker kind of person, you know? Exactly. <sighs> I kind of feel like that experience though. This we're 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 watching Victor's growth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that led to him being this kind of way, you know what I mean? Maturing mm-hmm. into this, you know. But at the same time, he didn't care about that girl. He just met her. This is a girl he had a relationship with and knew since he was young. Right. February 5th, 2006, uh, a month before the next issue would come out, the Steelers beat the Seahawks 21-10 in Super Bowl Forty. Mm. It was uh, Matt Hasselbeck. Right. Seahawks, right? Yeah. And uh, Sean Alexander was the running back. Yeah. Yeah. Trufant was a corner. Yeah. I man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. I don't remember anything about this game, but I do remember the halftime show because this was the Rolling Stones halftime show. Ah, uh, okay. I don't remember it being very good. No, I, I remember it being very good. I, I, say that, I say that as someone who loves the Rolling Stones. Like yeah. I, I had Hot Rocks on cassette as like an eight year old, and I knew every word to every track on that <laughs> on that tape. And I was just like, fuck, they're old, man. Like, what are they doing out there? I can't believe they're Keith old. Richards is still alive. Like, it's, still. it's shocking to me. Every doctor. Yeah, Keith Richards <laughs> is like, why? Is wrong. Keith, I'll be honest, Keith Richards <laughs> is like, why I'm still drinking and why I'm still smoking. So I'm like, that, like <laughs> right. that, that dude has done 8 billion times worse to his body. There's no way, like, oh, you tell me I can't have three cigarettes a day after what fucking Keith Richards does to himself for the last 80 years? Like, come on. Right. But you know what? You're going to feel a little dumb when Keith Richards turns out to be Satan himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he sprouts wings and reveals his ultimate plan. Like, Fuck all this drinking and smoking for nothing. Yes, that, that, is, why, that is why I will feel stupid. <laughs> yeah. But outside of that, you're good. <laughs> Thanks, man. Always looking out. Good friend. Yeah. Books of Doom, issue four, came out March 1st, 2006. Doom goes east to find this temple the old drunk spoke of, but clues to its location are hard to come by. Months of research lead him to a possible hint of where they are. He sets off, and the journey nearly breaks him. Quote, a man could wander those mountains for a lifetime, a mere 10 meters from that which he seeks, and never even know. After running out of food, he wanders aimlessly for days in the mountains when he's confronted by a yeti that nearly kills him. But he takes one of his inventions and sticks it in the monster's mouth, making its head explode. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's it's a really cool scene. <laughs> uh, with a little bit of Yeti meat to feed him and wounds from the battle, it isn't long before Doom passes out in the snow and is happened upon by the very monks he was looking for. After five years, he fulfilled his destiny and became their master. Quote, at that moment, I knew the world lay within my grasp, that whatever Von Doom wanted, it would be mine. The question was, where would I start? Uh, Doom builds a device to observe the world, and he snaps a little bit. He sees Reed Richards referred to as the smartest man in the world, maybe even the universe. 
and he fucking <laughs> loses it. <laughs> In the words of Michael Jordan, I took that personal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he blames Richard for sabotaging his device in college and letting the demon touch him. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible that he blames Reed, who like was in his dorm for half a fucking second, being like, Oh, I was looking for you, the door was unlocked. What language is this? That's all he fucking said. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that son of a bitch. He 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 did take that job with the military. He was he trying to make my me look papers, bad. Trying to make me look bad. That's why he was in my room without knocking <laughs> on that one time. Yeah. I wondered how one such as I had ever sprung from the ranks of men. Surely it must have been a miracle. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Later, uh, his dreams returned, showing him everything he had lost. Quote, this was the demon I knew alive in me, trying to prove I was but a mortal man, that he could touch me anytime and I would fall to pieces. This had to be stopped. Von Doom would not be like other men. No emotion, no pain, no cold or warmth would ever affect me again. Doom begins forging his armor with adaptive technology lining the inner working and an enchantment sealing out the demon's touch. But cold to remind him of the demon, he kills Victor Von Doom and once he pleases, or sorry, and once he places the mask to seal himself, he becomes Dr. Doom. That's right. Victor Von Victor Doom. Victor is no more. Yeah. That's right. Only Dr. Doom. <laughs> there is no Dana, only Zool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this part I, I really, really like. It's a little confusing mm -hmm. to me about saying like how he doesn't want to feel warmth or cold ever again. That's and right. He don't want to feel nothing. He wants to yeah. be numb to everything. Yeah, but then he immediately comments about the cold armor reminding him of the demon so he wouldn't forget. Yeah. I'm like, all right, dude, it's been like a page and you're already going back on what you said. But all right, whatever. Whatever, it's fine. Uh, but it's it's kind of amazing, too, because like he starts, like this is where he like really unravels, right? After blaming right. after blaming Reed and holding him personally responsible for all, all of Doom's like own shortcomings. And he starts like having nightmares, right? About like losing his mother, losing his father, losing Valyria. And it's like, actually, like, your choice was what drove Valyria away. And like, in the past, when we talked about right. the dreams of the demon, the demon was always there, right? And like, it's not mm -hmm. Mephisto, but like, it really fucking looks like Mephisto. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and assume it's Mephisto. The demon's never named. But it's like, he's not having, like, nightmares influenced by the demon. He's just having memories. Like, he's just remembering his right. traumatic, shitty past. But is blaming that on the demon, saying it must be the demon. It's like, no, dude. Like we knew what was happening before with the demon. Like, the, like <laughs> I actually believe in those dreams. You were fighting the fucking demon. You're not now. You're fighting your own demons, and like that's the right. like, that's the thing that you're that like scares you the most and freaks you out the most. So he decides to shut himself off from the world, shut himself off from feeling, and become Doctor Doom. Good shit. madness is taking over, man. Oh man, good shit. Books of Doom number five comes out March 29th, 2006. Doom returns to Latveria and saves a bunch of people in prison by uh, the king. The king, who is the same baron from his childhood, has now, That's right. has now promoted himself and become king of all of Latveria. And he's imprisoned a bunch of people for uh, owing the kingdom money. He frees these prisoners, kills the soldiers holding them prisoner, and tells them to spread the news that the king's time is ending. He sets up headquarters in an abandoned castle that overlooks the town his mother condemned when she made her pact with the demon. 
He seeks out his old Roma family and uses them to spread word throughout the country that it's time to take up arms for the coming revolution and kills the one person who dared to speak against him. <laughs> this is there's a there's a funny aside where it's like the person being interviewed is like telling this part of the story is just like, yeah, right. that guy like played violin at like his parents fucking wedding and he just like murked him. <laughs> like, just, just fucking Emperor Palpatine him right on the spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, quote, quote, what you see before you is what I've made myself into, something beyond man. I do not expect you to understand. Later, he's confronted by Valeria, who verbally cuts him down. Quote, and you think you have power now? You don't. All you've done is built better walls between yourself and the world. <sighs> Doom decides to send her away. And it says in his own narration, Latveria would no longer be a place for someone of such gentle spirit. No, Latveria, until I held it in my own hands, would be a place of fear and blood and not much beyond. With an army of commoners and robots of his own design, he conquers much of the country through small skirmishes. By video message, he reveals himself to the king as the young boy he failed to kill all those years ago. Yeah. Whew! Yeah. Oh. Michael Corleone. Oh my god. Yeah, right. Corleone. <laughs> Coming back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah, he's like out of exile, the, the return of the king. That's it. The prince who was not promised, but is going to take his shit up anyway. Exactly. Incredible stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I still can't believe that, like, he sent Valeria away. And to the best of my knowledge, like, I don't think that character came back back like i don't remember her in, no. in in stories from fantastic four like even around this time and that's really interesting because quick break from the, the story but like ed brubaker was really big on captain america at this time right like he was running that show and it would become a pretty big story that i can't wait to cover on this podcast but he also was dipping his toes into the x-men a little bit around this time and he did this six mm -hmm. issue miniseries called x-men deadly genesis and it was just kind of like a, a similar story where it goes back in time a little bit to talk about something that happened in the X-Men's past, but that tied into like the modern X-Men books, which he was writing. Like it introduced a character that would become like the central antagonist. And so I just think it's so weird that like, there's this person, maybe the only person in the entire world who like knows the real Victor Von Doom canonically. And she just never showed up again. Like, I think that's such a Ever. waste. I, I think she's such a cool character just because she like knows him. She's maybe the only person who knows what his face looks like. You know, and she's just out there. It, it, it's such a cool character that I wish we got more of. I, I mean, actually, no. I'll reserve my uh, my comment until you've read the the the, the last six. issue. All right, that's right. Well, I'm very curious. So, fuck it. Let's just jump into it right now. Books <laughs> of June six, May thirty first, two thousand six. After the first big battle of Doom's conquest, his army is exhausted, but reinforced by the king's soldiers who wish to join his side. The king knows things don't look good and sends his sons away so they may survive. Doom's army reaches the gates of the capital and stares down the forces of the king, who orders them to attack. Neither side moves. Alone, Doom begins walking towards the city, and the king's men stand aside, clearing a path for him to enter. Doom uses his rocket boots to fly through the stained glass window of the city cathedral, cutting off the king's escape through secret tunnels there. Quote, go not softly to your grave, old fool, I beg of you. 
quote, and within the sacred walls of his temple, his gods did not protect him from the iron hands of vengeance. He strangles him and removes the king's cloak, placing it on his own armor. He's crowned the new king of Latveria. He moves the capital to the tragic village and ushers in a new age of peace and progress. But he's still restless. He confers the demon holding his mother's soul captive and strikes a bargain. From the demon, quote, one night a year, I will allow you to fight for her freedom. But every time you lose, the people of your country will grow to despise you more and more. In just a few years time, you will be the most hated man in Latveria. If you win, you will have her freedom, but she will still be beyond your grasp. For where her soul goes from here is a place you will never enter. So in a way, I will still win. Doom accepts the challenge. When asked if he ever freed his mother, he said he couldn't remember. The woman interviewing Doom this whole time asked to see his face after using the phrase Valyria, revealing a fleshy veneer over a robotic interface. It was a Doom bot who became so like Dr. Doom he couldn't bring himself to destroy it. Believing that she has the story of a lifetime, she's locked up in the dungeons below Castle Doom, knowing too much about him to ever leave. And that is the end of Books of Doom. Aaron, hit me with your thoughts. That's what happened to old girl, Valeri. He said she he locked sent... up down there. He said he sent yeah, her he away. Yeah, he sent her away to a prison <laughs> that's all decked out, and she don't know it. It's like a holographic wall. Yeah, she, yeah sent her to Guantanamo Bay East. <laughs> <laughs> or some remote piece of property with her whole band and crew, and they're all electric fence uh, stand and don't know it because they can't go nowhere. Just under house arrest <laughs> in some weird, like, fucking Westworld version of reality. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And another thing I thought was incredibly cool is when it came to the Baron's army versus the people and Doom's army. Mm -hmm. Doom had already uh, sent someone to take the Baron's army. Yeah. They just opened the gateway and let, let Doom come in there solo. That was so cool. That Imagine was... if you saw that in a movie. You know what I mean? And they didn't tell you, hey, 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 but here's the big showdown and my man has nobody on his side. That would be... It was, it was just a, the visual of that in my head. I was like, that's so cool and so so amazing. Also, though, the Doombot. Of mm -hmm. course it's a fucking Doombot. It's Dr. Doom. It's always a goddamn Doombot. <laughs> <laughs> For all we know, the real Dr. Doom is this little guy who's locking people in the bin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Showing them around the castle or whatnot. We don't even know. Because it's always a Doombot. And... That was, that was kind of a bummer, man. Like, not that I wanted Doom to be, like, not that I wanted Doom to, like, be interviewed. You know, like, that doesn't feel right. Like, he's not going to sit down for fucking 60 minutes, you know, like... When I like, started reading the book, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why is Doom just telling us... Tell, writing a book, telling his world, his yeah. life? What is this about? <laughs> yeah. And then you find out it's an interview. I'm like, it's an interview? Why are they interviewing Dr. Doom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a Doom bot. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Though. It's like that time Hiller was Times Man of the Year, right? <laughs> like, like it's just like, oh yeah, he's the most important person this year. It's not a fucking good thing, you know. <laughs> like, but, but a lot of people was riding with him too. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, 
my favorite part about this though is like the unreliable narration and so like anytime doom yes like when when doom had that quote in the first book is just like i don't remember exactly what i said which is so funny because like the book opens with him saying i remember fucking everything so whenever <laughs> he says i don't remember that's because he's like i don't want to fucking talk about it but he says that because that sounds like the normal thing to say and so and he's like, I don't remember what I said to them to convince them to leave us, like, c- keep us in the group. And then it's like, someone's just like, I remember fucking exactly what he said. <laughs> is that quote I read. And so it seems like these people are being interviewed, but we find out all these people are in prison. Like everyone who knows yeah. Doom is like locked up under Castle Doom. So maybe because Valeria, they know maybe, too much. Maybe Valeria is. I do think he cares about her too much. Like, I do think he liked her too much to do that to her. I don't. Who really? knows him too much? Doom is cold now. He's ice cold. There's no feelings. There's yeah, no who, love for nobody. Yeah, the only person who can describe his wiener. You think he's just going to let her out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is how he looked. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, there's no way she's out there just roaming free. Ain't no way. And then the other thing is, what if the whole story is bullshit? The whole Doombot, he told this Doombot this story. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. that it's true. It's just something that he programmed the Doombot to do. I don't know, because like if it isn't true, then it seems like he wouldn't have to imprison her for getting getting out, right? Like for telling the story. So the That's entire thing, too. the entire thing would be pointless if it wasn't true. But also I wouldn't rule that out. Also, right. I, I can't imagine how many times his origin has been rewritten since the story came out. So like maybe it doesn't fucking mm-hmm. matter at all. But I like to think it is true. I think the story is way better. I like to think it's true. I I think it's such a good story. Yeah, especially because he's an unreliable narrator. And it's like they tell you when it's just like, no, that's bullshit. Like he is. (laughs) He's lying. Did you ever save your mother? I can't remember. It's like, oh, really? You can't remember? But that's also why the Doombot can't remember. It's because it wasn't programmed. He omitted those things for a reason. Okay. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. why, hey, here, no, this is what really happened. The Doombot can't remember. Okay. Well, the downstairs does. <laughs> like, yeah, this is what he did. <laughs> My mama was standing there. He didn't care. <laughs> Final thoughts on this book. I, I think it's a recommend. I don't think it's like the greatest character deconstruction ever. You know, like I, I don't think it's like incredibly analytical, but it feels like like when Marvel made a Morbius movie, sorry, when Sony made a Morbius movie, mm-hmm. like this is what I wanted it to be like, like just kind of like a perfectly like fine, fast paced story with like really high highs and just like kind mm-hmm. of okay lows, you know, like I don't think there's anything, there's like nothing offensive about this story, right? And no. the, ki- the kick-ass moments are incredibly kick-ass. Like I think the like they want like a straight up like B action movie and i think this mm-hmm. is like a b action movie that that reads really well you know I, I don't mean to sound too down on it this is better than i this sorry this isn't as good as i remember it being but it's better than i expected it to be rereading it if that makes okay. sense it does so i think i really i think you should i think yeah. if you're listening you should reread it because there's a bunch of stuff we didn't cover and a whole bunch of details and the art by pablo Ramondi, i think is fucking beautiful beautiful and the colors are done really well. It looks like a very pulpy seventies story. Yeah, I, I, 
I think I love more than anything why I love the book so much is its presentation. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, the 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 reveals at the end. Hey, it's a Doom bot. I like that it's um, Dr. Doom telling this big grand story in the big grand Dr. Doom way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then the, per- the, you know, you find out all the prisoners because when all the pre- people are locked up and he locks this person up, it's just showing how cold this dude is, you know? Yeah, I, I'm passionate about these things, but as anyone will tell you, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Mm-hmm. And that's Dr. Doom. He's indifferent about everything else in this world except whatever it is he's passionate about. And that's his one burning thing. I like that. That's what I got from the book. That's what I take in when I think of Dr. Doom and these stories. I, I, I like, one, I love the character, but I really, really enjoy the presentation in this book, which is why this has got to be one of my favorites that I've read. But, and also, I haven't read very many comic books. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, hot damn, we're going to change that, aren't we, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I had to finish that Darth Vader run. That was fantastic. Oh, man. I don't think there's been a bad Darth Vader book since 2015. Like, <laughs> there's that one that takes place after New Hope before Empire. There's one that takes place, like, immediately after uh, Episode 3. And there's mm-hmm. one going on right now that's, like, between Empire and Return of the Jedi that I think is, like, somehow just as epic as, yeah. as that first one. It's, like, remember all those, like, handmaidens that were, like, the, the Queen's decoys in Episode oh, 1? Oh, yeah. Oh, he, mm-hmm. like, finds them, and it's, like, really fucking with Vader's head. He's just like, but you look like my dead wife. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> yeah. He's, like, losing his mind. It's it's really good. Um, Aaron, are you ready to talk about the other stuff that was happening as this series came to an end? Let's go. All right. So uh, the last book came out May 31st, 2006. So I went to that weekend, June 2nd, to see what the five biggest movies were. And starting at number five, had been in theaters for a bit, Mission Impossible 3. Do you give a shit about Mission Impossible? I don't think I've ever actually talked to you about this. Um, I adored Mission Impossible one, mm-hmm. and I would watch all the other Mission Impossible. I didn't like the second one, and then I watched the others, and I just didn't stick with me. And so, COVID, I rewatched them all, and turns out I it's a really really good series. Yeah, like uh, to me, the second movie is. Eh, and the third I, movie. I for sure thought you would have loved to. And everything else is out of this world. Yeah. I thought you would have loved to because it's a John Woo movie. Nah, I'm not a big John Woo fan. Really? Damn. Yeah. I thought you would have been all up in Hard Boiled's business. Hard Boiled? I hadn't seen that. Oh, with Chow Young Fat? Oh, I did see that. Yeah, okay. Oh, that movie is so <laughs> legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Mission 3, it had been a minute, because I think Mission Impossible 2 came out six years earlier. I think that was from the year 2000. Something like that, yeah. And then this was like the J.J. Abrams one with like Philip mm-hmm. Seymour Hoffman as the villain. and uh, That was a good one, yeah. Number four, a movie I have tried to watch several times and just fucking can't. The Da Vinci Code. I like it. I, I I fall asleep like 20 minutes into that movie every fucking time. Like, if you're going to make a conspiracy movie, make the conspiracy fucking interesting, not just a bunch of old Italian men saying, oh, it just come to pass. Like, like just you got to do something better than that. <laughs> I, I, I can't I like that those. I like all those where you got to follow clues and this leads to that. I'm all about those things. 
I was not about the long hair on Tom Hanks, though. That was, oh. Was that the first one or was that Angels and Demons? I can't remember. He had a, he had a fucking That was the terrible, first one. He had a terrible, it was cutting Angels and Demons. Terrible haircut in that first one. And That's like, why Angels and Demons is better. It's because he had that haircut. It's just, dude, I watched, I watched the, this episode is coming out the day we're recording. This is coming out Friday, April 7th. I watched the League of Their Own last night. And I was like oh, yeah. getting, I was getting mad as I was like making this list. And I remembered his, I remembered he was in this movie. I remembered his fucking hair. I remember that movie. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I can't believe that this thespian genius here in a league of yes. their own, this, uh, yes. there's no crying at baseball. Like, <laughs> I would tell you look like a penis with that hat on. Like, like, I can't believe that fucking guy made this fucking movie. And I just, I, I can't with it. I like it. Number three, not much to say about this one. Over the Hedge, which I think was like a heist movie starring mm-hmm. yard animals, like like squirrels. Yeah, and I didn't shit. watch that one. Didn't see it. I I think a band I like did a like. I think Ben Folds Five was like on the soundtrack, and that's all I have to contribute. I don't even know if that's true or not. I didn't do research, but I think that's all I know but... about that movie. Or I don't. That's all I don't know about that movie. Number two. Aaron, this is probably my least favorite comic book movie of all time. Ooh. X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Okay. I right. cannot remember a time where I was more hyped to see a movie because of the trailer and then right. more disappointed with the fucking thing we got. Right. Because 1 and 2 were both awesome. 1 and 2 we were bangers. We this. covered them on this show. I think that yeah. was... <laughs> I think that was like one of the first episodes... You did, right? Like, or like Blade was the first yeah. one you did. And then, yeah, the second one was X-Men. And mm-hmm. um, those movies are great. Like, those are they're just, like, really well-crafted movies. This movie just fucking sucks. And, like, I think this movie is, like, kind of where we're heading in the MCU right now, where it's, like, it cares so much less about craft and more about just, like, not even shock value, but just, like, reminder value, where it's just, like, oh, that chick right there. Oh, the one with the purple streak of hair? That's Psylocke. It's, like, she doesn't do anything. Like, it's fun. It's, like, it doesn't matter if it's Psylocke <laughs> or, like, her name could be fucking Poppy Seed Bagel. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, she's, like, right. she literally does nothing. She adds absolutely no value to this movie whatsoever. So, like, yeah. why the fuck that, am I... We need more people, more people, more people. Yeah. Why am I supposed to be excited about it? And, like, they had Vinnie Jones in there. It's, I'm the juggernaut, bitch! You know? And it's just, oh, like... Oh, horrible. It's, like, no, that's you're right. not actually... I hated that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's when I was pretty much done with the uh, with the X-Men series. However, mm-hmm. I would still watch them as they came, but I wasn't rushing to a theater for any of them. And I haven't been satisfied with any of them, really. Uh, I, I take that back. Uh, the Future Past, I liked it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, ugh. Number one at the box office. You ready for this? Yes. Um, Please don't be no bullshit. Starring Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. It is The Breakup. Oh, that's a good movie! It is a good movie. Good! That movie feels like a (laughs) 70s movie. Like, that feels like The Graduate. Right? Where it's just, like, (laughs) such a fucking weird movie. How did this get made? Um, Mm -hmm. But they they figured it out, and, like, that ending is, like, the opposite of The Graduate, where, like, there's, like, that moment... I I don't want to spoil The Graduate. If you're listening to this podcast, you you may not have seen it. But there's, like, the final shot of the movie is just kind of like a, oh, interesting Mm -hmm. kind of moment. I need to rewatch this, because I saw this on a date with my girlfriend at the time, and I remember fighting with my girlfriend, and it's just like, why did we go see a movie called The Breakup when we're fighting? This is, like, the (laughs) worst fucking idea ever. And then we saw, like, them go through their breakup, and we're like, we don't... I don't want to do that to you. 
and it, it like that was like the on the movie kind of like fixed our relationship to be honest uh but man i just remember like kind of laughing at some things the guy would do to fuck with jennifer aniston i remember her laughing yeah. at some of the things jennifer aniston would do to fuck with vince vaughn i was just like this was a terrible idea why am i here <laughs> <laughs> who thought yeah, this was a you good know idea? who you with and the theater you go to all of that affects your experience yeah. and how you take in a movie on your own which yeah. is the reason why i like watching them solo mm-hmm. but you know it, theaters are theaters those are the ways like i like going to an empty theater yeah. you know what i mean or next to empty theater so yeah yeah, you and me, and I think two other people in like a seven hundred seat theater for <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I remember that one, and then it was like you oh, and yeah. me, and like two other people for The Gentleman. Oh man, I love The Gentleman. Yeah, That's so cool. To me. And like you and me, yeah. and actually, not that many people for Spider Man Homecoming, or not Homecoming, Far From Home, the second one. Was it? Oh, Far From Home. Yeah. Yeah. God, I miss seeing movies with you. That was fun. I know. We should do that. I wish this country... in whoppers. <laughs> yeah, the, the movie theater we go to in San Francisco, this place called the the Kabuki, AMC Kabuki in Japantown. There was a there was a Burger King like right across the street from it. It was fucking magical. And you could buy beers yeah. and wine at that movie theater. What a That's right. And a... you had the Asian gross the Asian market that's all attached to it. So some days if I was feeling frisky. Go in there and get your cream puff. Oh my god, the, 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 the Daiso, yeah, and just get like, oh, yeah. wow, this packaging is really co- uh, colorful. It's like, oh, milk tea Kit Kat bars. Fuck it, yeah, milk why tea not? Kit Kat yeah, bars. Yeah, that. it's exactly. Uh, all right, matcha Kit Kat. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah, matcha, matcha strawberry Kit Kats. Fuck yeah, why not? <laughs> Aaron, uh, week of June third, two thousand six, the Hot One Hundred, song number five. Where'd You Go by Fort Minor featuring Holly Brook. I want you to know it's a little fucked up that I'm stuck here waiting. At times debating, telling you that I've had it with you and your career. Me and the rest of the family here singing Where'd You Go. Do you remember that song at all? No. Not all right. whatsoever. I remember fighting with my girlfriend while I was like traveling. And I remember like listening to that, like not being able to get a hold of her. And I just remember being like so sad. And like that, this was like my song for sad because I was, you know, 15 at the time. And this is the band Fort Minor was um, half of Lincoln Park. Ah, it was like the other okay. dude, the other dude besides like Chester or Chad, I think was his name. Uh, the other guy. Uh, had like a little side project named Fort Minor and like Fort Minor also did that song like 20% luck 50% skill you know like that like a and one song that was like all over I got you video yeah yeah okay so that that's who they were uh number four was Temperature by Sean Paul Sean Paul was on us like a fucking fire blanket at the time. He was inescapable. <laughs> yeah. My man, Sean Paul, everywhere. Uh, like, I I went to, like, you know, Halloween dances in, in high school, and Sean Paul was all over the place. You were, like, a full-blown adult when this song came out. Oh, yeah. 
Was he everywhere oh, yeah. in the was he everywhere in the club also, or was it just yes. okay? Especially in Florida. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, yeah, he was everywhere. I was every every time I was at a club with him, I was out of my mind. So it was a good time. I I have fond fond memories of that guy. Because I remember, I think Get Busy came out when I was in like seventh grade. I was just like, this song mm-hmm. sounds like the fucking future. Like, this is <laughs> if this is where music is going. We're in for a good fucking time. <laughs> it, it was a good time. <laughs> and then we got Temperature, and then we got like Glue, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> Number three is SOS by Rihanna. Not my favorite Rihanna song, I gotta be honest. Nah. Nah, Actually, she's got some real bangers, you know what I mean? They she, can't she all does. be gyms. I mean, she, she performed a Super Bowl halftime show this year while pregnant. Like, she, it's mm-hmm. amazing, like, just seeing, like, the cultural relevance. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit, because I got some special sports docs or sports stats for you that I don't normally pull, but I know how much you like basketball. So I pulled those okay. for you. And so just like talking about like, oh, these movies that we haven't thought about in 20 years. Oh, these songs we haven't thought about in 20 years. No, Rihanna's bigger now than she was then somehow, which seems unreal to think about because she was so fucking huge then. Right. Yeah, she was mega star. Happy to see her do the Super Bowl thing too. Though. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. crushed it. Song number two. Really excited to see the look on your face when I say it. Uh, song number two is Bad Day by Daniel Powder. So this isn't a very good song, but it was very popular, as you can tell. And the only reason you would know this song is because Marty would put it into his pub trivia, his pub trivia song, like, rotation. Like, once every four weeks, you'd hear this song. And I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, I thought I was the only person alive who remembered this song. And it turns out that was Marty when he, like, couldn't think of like an eighth song to put in. Be like, yeah, fuck it, <laughs> throw this one in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this song yeah. isn't isn't particularly good, but it does have uh, one of my teenage crushes in the music video. I can't remember the actress's name, but she played Anna on the OC, and she was James Cameron's assistant on Entourage. So pretty, pretty prolific career for that actress whose name I can't remember. Okay, yeah. And uh, number one song was Riding by Chameleon Air featuring Crazy Bones. Damn, this song was everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> inescapable i was a sophomore in high school and it felt like every time i got into a car the song was always on z107.3 which was like the big pop station near me growing up inescapable the gravity of the song you just fall right into it the song was so big it brought what's his nuts back it brought weird al back right because he did right <laughs> he did white and nerdy, yeah. right yeah yeah white and nerdy yeah 
that's a big, big song. You know, Chameleonaire, uh, brilliant young man. When he got that, when he came through with that, with that one song, like he's got God gargantuan amounts of money right now because he invested in tech and all these other things, and it was all with proceed with the money, not mm-hmm. proceeds, the money he made from that song. Mm-hmm. Um, because he he said he noticed that he looked around the room and he was like, "How many billionaires are in this record industry?" And so that's when he started finding a way to become a billionaire and use his money elsewhere. He, I don't know if he's a billionaire yet. He's on his way. Mm-hmm. But like I remember someone made a joke because he sat courtside at one of the Warriors championship games. And I was like, who gave him tickets? I was like, I actually know. Come to find out. This yeah, dude, he might, he he might actually, he might own the arena. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a cool story. I just, um, so Chameleon Air, that was a big track. And Crazy Bone was always one of my favorites. I can't name a second song by Chameleon Air. Like, I just, I can't think of anyone who, like, entered the cultural zeitgeist this big, this quickly, and then just disappeared from it. Like, I right. I was such a nerd. I was watching MTV every single day, and I can't name a second song by him. Hey, I mean, he, I think he might, he might have had, like, a second album mm. that didn't blow up or go up, you know, hit, hit like this one did. But, um... Yeah, it's because he saw that, you know, music industry wasn't the industry. Let me yeah. take this money, use it for what it is, and and do something else. It's my seed money for my next project. That's exactly what it was, yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron, a week after this book came out, June 8th to the 20th, we had the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. The NBA Finals led by Dwayne Wade, Shaquille O'Neal, and... uh my boy, Alonzo Mourning. Oh, I thought you was going to say your boy, the referees. <laughs> Miami Heat defeated the Dallas Mavericks four games to two. Steve after, Nash. After. Yeah, that, like, if I, it was a, wasn't it a 2-0 lead? And then Miami won the last four straight? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, that feels right. Because, yeah. like, Dallas wouldn't yeah. win it until 2000. They went the next year? Or no, it's. No, 2010, no. 2011. It was the Mavericks it went like three years later? Because it's Mavericks Heat again, right? Yeah, that was that. But yeah, the next time the Mavericks went, it was the Heat, but it was LeBron's Heat. Yeah. So yeah, and that was the first time that Miami team was together. So that was after the Celtics, the Lakers, mm-hmm. the Lakers, and then it was the Dallas Mavericks went back. Fucking Lakers shouldn't have been there. They, I don't, I still don't understand how they got fucking Pau Gasol. It makes no sense to me. Whatever, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> uh, Steve Nash got his back-to-back MVP awards this year. Right, this was his second MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on your Suns at that point, wasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's when the Spurs tried to take him out of the uh, the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He was busting their ass, and then Amari Stoudemire stepped off the bench and got put out. So he so come Game Six for the series. No Amari Stoudemire and like Nash has, you know, hip checked him. Did someone get pushed up. onto a table? Steve Nash. Okay, it was Steve Nash. It, it was someone. Robert hit, Ori hit. Res Ori, Robert Ori the, hit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, Robert yeah, Ori hit someone. Steve Nash. Yeah. And that's when Amari stood up. And that's when, you know, because Amari had stepped on, he was on the bench. Mm-hmm. And that, because he stepped on the court, you got a suspension while there was a scuffle. That's how the NBA worked. So a couple guys got suspended. A Tough few- loss. 
uh, a week after the NBA draft ended, there was, or sorry, a week after the finals ended, the draft happened, June 28th. Do you remember who went first overall? What draft was that? 2006 NBA draft. I'll give you a hint. It was an Italian player who went first overall. Oh. Um, the name is escaping me. I'm sorry, please. It's okay. It was Andrea Bargnani. Yep, Bargnani. Yeah. Went first overall. Uh, Yes. Yeah. And then I picked out some familiar names. And this is what I was talking about, like with Legacy, where it's just like Rihanna is bigger now than she was then. A lot of these players I'm about to say are getting to the point where they're about to retire if they haven't retired already. So selected at two was LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, yeah. He's, yep. He's next to retirement. Selected at eight was Rudy Gay. Next to return. Selected at 11 was JJ Redick. Is retired. Is retired. Great podcast. Yeah. yeah. Selected at 21 was John Rondo. My fucking guy. <laughs> oh, Rondo. <laughs> Selected... I don't believe he's in the league. I don't believe so either. Um, wait, no. <sighs> He might have been bought. He was out. last year. He was, yeah. I wanted yeah. him so bad. Like the Celtics were like, "Yeah, we got no one to lead our second unit." I'm like, Rajon Rondo costs Rondo. fucking pennies. Rondo. Just, just <laughs> bring him home. Bring him home. Uh, Kyle yeah. Lowry was selected at 24. Still starting for the Miami Heat. Fucking shouldn't be. Should probably retire. Uh, and then PJ Tucker. I wrote at 25, but I think oh, yeah. he might have been later. He might have been between 25 and 35. But let's just say 25 for now. Mm-hmm. PJ Tucker he left still and came back. Yeah, he's on the mm-hmm. Sixers right now, right? I believe so. Right. Yeah, get, given the Celtics all right. fucking kinds of trouble anywhere he plays because he was on Miami last year. That almost fucking Houston, ruined it. He, Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, he gets around. Uh, God, I just I want like Celtics like just fuck it, just pick him up, like just just so you don't have to play against him, just draft him because he gives you trouble every fucking time you play him. But whatever, it's fine. Aaron, nah. Aaron, that was 2006. Any closing comments on Doctor Doom or any of the fun pop cultural asides we just took? Nah, it was a great, great little stroll. I'm super happy with the uh, with the Doctor Doom book, and uh, I'm looking forward to more runs. You can text me and wait. Can you recommend uh, from that? Like uh, you, you mentioned a couple of books that the writer had written before. Yeah. Um, you said like Batman or, you know, he had a, a run in Batman or what have uh, you, like those detective stuff. I, I, I'm going to send you the, the link to issue one of his Captain America book because this is the guy who, created, okay, this is the guy who created Winter Soldier. All right. And uh, it's, it's, it's good shit. It, it feels just like a 70s spy thriller. It, it, it's so good. All right. I'll, I'll send you that link after the show, but I'll do that. And oh, I'm going to have you back on to talk about more shit because I'm down. Really yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Thanos uh, run kind of really reminded me of this Doctor Doom, um, the books of Doom. Oh, did you Just, read? Did you read Thanos? Their movies? madness. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like both of those books a lot. That's why that story hit. I, cool. Fantastic book. I recommend it for everyone. Thanks for the recommendation, George. Awesome. Yeah, of course. And uh, I can't wait to get more into comics of the year and look forward to it. Uh, you can look forward to a new episode of Shortbox Summary 
broadly coming your way next Friday. So keep an eye out for that. You can follow the show at purplebird616 on Twitter. Please like, please retweet, please support, please leave a review, do whatever you can to support the show. It is free. And uh, you doing that stuff makes it easier for me to do cool shit on the show. Uh, like get guests on and maybe get some comps and maybe talk about some comics that are coming out on a weekly basis. That'd be really cool too. That are present day comics, not just shit from 15, 20 years ago. So please do what you can to support the show and I will do what I can to make a better show for you. Until next time. 